What's up, everyone? My name is Christian Baldanza Dutacchio. And I'm Giuliano Caleri. And this is Tifosi Football Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Today is Tuesday, September the 15th. There's a lot to discuss today. We've got a lot of transfers happening in uh, Serie A and all over the world. And uh, we've got the upcoming Serie A season starting uh, this weekend, which is great with a couple of fixtures. And uh, we also are finishing off a tail end of the second phase of the uh, Island Games at the Canadian Premier League. But uh, because we have a lot to cover today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to jump right in. And I think the big one we need to discuss with you, Giuliano, and get your analysis on it, is uh, Sandro Tonali, official, going to uh, AC Milan. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah. Great signing for Milan. Uh, my only problem with it is that he's being a little bit overhyped uh, by, all the, by all the Milan fans. He's a great player. We just hope that by overhyping him... Uh, you know, he, his career doesn't take his tailspin and he flops because uh, that's a lot of pressure for a young kid, especially coming from Brescia. He was, I would say, maybe their best player on the team, but ultimately in the end, Brescia got relegated and, uh, you know, as a big player, he didn't, I would say, 100% pull through. So hopefully he can uh, prove his worth at Milan. I hope uh, Pioli can protect him, slowly phase him into the squad because there's already a lot of good midfielders in that team. And uh, that's about it for Sandro Tonali. Like I said, I think he's great. Just I feel like he needs a bit of protection. I don't want to see him uh, go down the route of some of these other up-and-coming stars we supposedly had, like Bernadeschi, Kies, it's still early. But a lot of these guys had a big shout-out at the beginning of their career, and then they've kind of fallen into mediocrity. So hopefully that doesn't happen to him. I hope he uh, pulls through for Milan and uh, the national team. What do you think, Christian? Yeah, I, I, I would echo that. I mean... Uh you know he's a really promising player uh, going to a big team now uh, there's a lot of pressure on him uh, you know there's with all the hype you know the next Andrea Pirlo the you know the neck Italy's next center defensive mid holding mid um, the bright future for them so um, you know I just hope that uh, you know he slowly eases his way into the squad you know as we discussed last week it's really going to be a really difficult season because uh, the season starting this weekend Sandro Tonali you know has only been at Milan for maybe a little over a week so you know there's a lot of high expectations on him they want him to uh to get into the squad real quick so hopefully Pioli can protect him you know slowly gel him in um and uh it's a big step for him because uh you know going through the Brescia system playing at Brescia you know, just getting relegated to Serie B. You're now going to, you know, AC Milan, who is a household name in Italian soccer and, uh, you know, has high expectations. So hopefully, you know, he can uh, respond to the pressure, ease his way in and, and hopefully show his worth. Yeah, 100%. And and I'm happy you went to Milan as opposed to Inter. I know Inter was linked in uh, with him, but honestly, it's better he went to Milan. He can grow there enters in a bit of a situation where it's win now at all costs and let's face it enter doesn't have a good track record with youth players so hopefully he can uh, perform at milan and and do a good job there for them like we said absolutely and please don't compare him to pirlo just the only thing similar about them and him tonali and pirlo is the hair that's it that's where you draw the line <laughs> i think so <laughs> otherwise there's there's no uh similarities a completely different player from pirlo so don't expect pirlo-esque performances he's a hard working midfielder i'd compare him more so i know another legend that Rossi, but i say his game's more suited to that style of play so yeah, i would say so yeah so let's see what he does and uh once again all the best we'll see any other transfers you can think of you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, uh, we got the upcoming transfer with Roma. Roma's been in the uh, the transfer news for a while with a couple of signings. I mean, it's good to see, you know, Dan Friedkin. I mean, we talked about it last week, you know, having to build from the ground up, getting Roma from out of that identity crisis, slowly building them to be a contender. Obviously, way too early to be one right now, but, uh, you know taking strides in the future uh i mean uh we got the big one Arek milik uh supposedly going to to roma as agreed personal terms there's a lot of rumblings out there that he's holding out hoping that juventus would snap him up and it's going to take juventus napoli and roma to convince him hey roma's the best spot for you because you're not in juventus's plans anymore because sadi's gone pirlo's in 
it's very obvious that Pirlo wants Eden Zeko instead uh, because he is now in a win-now mentality too with Juventus and you have to be with a club like Juventus. And uh, Napoli's basically told Milik if he doesn't go, he's basically going to sit in the stands for a year. And uh, you don't want to do that, especially with uh, the Euro next year, you know, wanting to feature for Poland and uh, have a good showing for the national team there. You need to go. Uh, I think uh, Roma is probably the best spot for him um, because, uh, you know, with with Zeko... With Zeko going, if Mili comes, there's a huge gap to fill there. Uh, we would have a dedicated striker there. Of course, it'd be really difficult for him at the first because you don't have that uh, that link with Nicolo Zaniolo, who's going to be out for a year. Um, and, uh, you know, just a side note, you know, surgery went well in Austria for him, so we wish him a speedy recovery, and uh, hopefully he takes uh, the full nine, ten months off and doesn't want to rush back. Uh that's my side note on that but uh hopefully you know with going back to Milik hopefully he will uh you know he will eventually flourish at Roma you know 26 years old wants to sign a five-year contract I believe that's the that's the rumblings coming out of Italy so you know very bright future there can really do some damage there and then uh you know there's also other ones I mean uh that uh, one kid from uh Hellas Verona Marash Kambula Born in Italy, Albanian national player. Yeah. All the all the rage right now. Tottenham want him. Roma want him. Yeah. But uh, Roma seem to have the lead, uh, which is great. Uh, we're going to sign him to a five-year deal. Uh, I believe it's a one-year loan with an obligation to buy for $30 million. I think it's a must. This kid's 20 years old, had a fantastic season for Hellas Verona. A big reason why Hellas Verona finished in the higher mid-table and at one point was flourishing around for uh for a europa league spot yeah, yeah. so uh you know hats off to roma for that um i know they're still trying to work out something with manchester united for chris smalling 20 million euros is what manchester united wants roma don't, don't want to give him that and i don't blame them he's not worth more than 12 million um in our books so uh you know good to see some pieces there and then the last thing that came out uh this morning was uh now um Roma are in talks with Rodrigo De Paul from Udinese. It's a rumor right now, but uh, you know, it's uh, Rodrigo De Paul has basically said he wants to stay in Italy. He wants to stay in Serie A. Uh, Fiorentina looks like the likely destination, but now Roma is now another option, especially filling that gap with Nicolo Zaniolo. Um, absent for the year so uh you know hopefully we can secure DePaul but a really really bright future uh for Roma makes me very happy still I hasn't changed my mind about that seventh place finish but uh you know I'm really happy at the at the future that the Gialarossi have so Forza Roma yeah and back to DePaul I know Leeds United I know you said he wants to stay in Italy but Leeds United is making a a real strong yeah they're making a heavy push for him too but uh, they got Italian ownership really good coach he can make a good name for himself in the in the prem too I think to Paul but it would be nice to see him stay in City yeah absolutely do something for him if Friedkin they have to start spending some money exactly and you know what it's good that they are finally starting to spend some money we're already seeing a big difference between the Friedkin group and uh, and um, James Palotta who is the outgoing owner former owner of Roma Um, but uh, a lot of other transfers yeah, that have what happened else, what else have you seen uh you know a couple of veterans being signed at inter so you know going back to inter in the win now mentality with Kolarov. yeah they're they're playing right now uh against lugano they were up five nothing i saw perisic dangolan in the lineup Kolarov. they all looked they looked pretty good considering the the competition they're going against so it's going to be exciting to see if conte can maybe put nangolan and perisic and back into this team they they add a different dynamic dynamic uh, sorry for the tongue twister there but they after they offer some other dynamics to that team that uh we don't have uh Pedisic had a pretty decent season at Bayern Munich Nangalan was a key player for Cagliari so we'll see Ericsson and him will like we said before will be competing for that attacking midfielder spot uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Conte does with these players. Yeah, it will be definitely. Um, another transfer uh, that happened, uh, Hellas Verona securing Marco Benassi from Fiorentina. Um, big for Hellas Verona, shocking for Fiorentina. You know, we talked about Fiorentina last week saying that uh, they should be aiming higher for, the, for, sorry, higher than a mid-table finish. And, uh, you know, 
Marco Benassi is a guy that you should build your team around. You have some really good pieces in Fiorentina, and letting him go is, I think, a big mistake. Um, but uh, you know, hats off to Hellas Verona. That's a big, that's a big coup for them. Even though it may be just a one-year loan, um, hats off to Hellas Verona. They they look good. Um, I think the, you know Hellas Verona probably another mid-table finish for them. Um, a lot of minor signings for Crotone and La Spezia. Um, yeah. Very minor signings, but, uh, you know, I still think they're going to go down. Uh, they're obviously going to be a little more competitive with these signings, um, but uh, I think they're still going to go down. Um, Torino, uh, big news out of Torino. Rumblings and reports in Italy are saying that uh, Tonham are after uh, Andrea Bellotti. Fifty million, they're saying. Um, I think uh, Torino rejected a forty million offer, and Tottenham Hotspur are going back for fifty million. Yeah, they're desperate. Tottenham, very desperate for a striker. Yeah, desperate, and uh, you know that that might be good for Belotti because uh, you know it's uh, he's not going to be the focal point of that Tottenham team. Uh, he he'd be behind Harry Kane, of course, but uh, they might be a great partnership there. And uh, if you're Torino and Tottenham Hotspur comes back at you and saying, I want Andrea Bellotti for $50 million, I would take it and run because uh, you can definitely get some pieces um, on a really good Torino team like we talked about last week. Um, you can definitely uh, get a couple more key players uh, to really have a much better finish um, than you did last year in Serie A. 100%. And one transfer we missed back to Fiorentina. So they did get rid of Benassi on loan. Uh, to Hellas Verona, but at the same time they brought in uh, on a free transfer Giacomo Bonaventura, so adding a bit of creativity in that midfield, which has been lacking. They got rid of uh, Badelli, their holding midfielder, so I have a feeling Giacomo Bonaventura is going to slot right into that holding midfield uh, position. He's lost his legs. He's no longer really a winger anymore, so he'll be in that creative position, doing those long passes, short passes, keeping the tempo of the game. It'll be interesting to see what he does in that uh, side. I think Cause, so. Because Fiorentina, Beppe, Iacchini, his side is a is a counterattack inside, the way he sets up his team. So Definitely. maybe now with this type of player coming in, he's going to look maybe for that X factor to play. When you play against those smaller teams that sit back, Bonaventura maybe will be that key to unlock uh, those passes set through uh, Chiesa on the run and maybe get some more goals for Cutrone, Chiesa, Ribéry. So it'll be interesting to see what Bonaventura can do there. Hopefully. We need to see Fiorentina get back into into the mix into the top four into the top seven like we really we really miss that i mean uh, fiorentina has been a staple throughout the years obviously had some bankruptcy problems ownership changes where they were relegated and brought up and then relegated again and brought up but uh you know like i said uh last week uh, fiorentina one of the seven sisters n- need to see them get back into but the if they come back who goes roma uh, i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know i think if fiorentina comes back i think I'd like to see a team like uh, Atalanta go down. Oh, no way. <laughs> no way. anti City out over here. Anyway, any other transfers you want to talk? Do you want to get into the upcoming fixtures? Uh, you know, there's uh, upcoming transfers. I mean... We have Vidal's essentially coming Vidal's, to enter. Yep, essentially. He's his medical in the next couple of days. He said bye to his Barcelona teammates, the board. Yep. Everyone. So it looks like Vidal's on his way to enter. I don't know what happens... Now to that midfield, there's so many players in that midfield, but that's for Conte to worry about, not yeah. me. So I'm very interested to see Edin Zeko at Juventus that transfer rumbling happening. Like I mean, I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to really fit in really well for Juventus. Um, you know, with Gonzalo Higuain going to MLS, um, I think Edin Zeko is going to give you another year or two of top flight soccer, and uh, he's a much better hitman than. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain is. Yeah, I agree. Jekko, he's a guarantee for goals, creativity. He's kind of, you know, for Ronaldo, I think he can act like that uh, in that Benzema role that he did for Real Madrid. Absolutely. The creativity he has, an eye for a pass. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can hold up the ball, he can do it all, which will allow, you know, Ronaldo, Dybala to move into those spaces and they'll even create more chances with a player like Jacko. I hope it doesn't happen as an Inter fan, but if it does, so be it. Yeah, I mean, uh, this season's going to be really exciting. Uh, It's going to be one of the more competitive leagues, I think, for a Scudetto, uh, even for a top four finish than any of the other leagues. Um, So I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. 
you know, still with the season starting this weekend coming up and uh, all these new signings happening now, I mean, they're going to need some time. I mean, we just came off a really weird season where, like you said, it took almost a year to complete. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how these new pieces fit in when they start to really gel with these clubs and which clubs will start to stand out. Yeah, 100%. So let's get into some of the fixtures this weekend. Um, I think the first game is uh, Roma, Hellas, Verona. No, 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 no. First game is Fiorentina and Torino okay okay so we'll so, start with them we'll leave Roma for later we've heard enough of Roma right now okay that's so fine let's talk about that's fine you want to play that way that's fine <laughs> let's talk about Fiorentina and Torino first okay what are, your, what are your thoughts so the big thing here is you have the uh, new coach Marco Giampaolo coming in for Torino replacing uh, let's just say Walter Mazzari's team he was sacked but it was Malta, Walter Mazzari's team but Longo was the one that Belongo was finished off the season babysitting them yeah so now with Marco Giampaolo, his preferred formation is a 4-3-1-2, which is a big change from their three-man defense. So this is going to be essentially a brand new team. I think, me personally, for Torino, you're going to see a Balotti Zaza 1-2 punch up front, I think, with a number 10 behind them. So maybe, who knows, Balotti, this should benefit him. It's going to take a lot of the the pressure off his shoulders to have to score and create up front because looking at the stats from last year, Torino was one of the worst creative teams in the league, bottom three yeah. in terms of creativity. In terms of uh, short passes, build-up play, they were also near the bottom of the table, which I was so surprised to see. But now with Giampaolo, I would, I would expect to see those passing stats uh, go right up. I would expect them to keep the ball a lot better be more offensive and uh and less defensive so we'll uh we'll see what happens that's what marco giampaolo brings to the table anyway what do you think yeah i think marco giampaolo brings a lot to the table but as i keep repeating i i know i know i sound like a broken record but uh very short turnaround season marco giampaolo new coach coming in how quick is torino gonna adapt to giampaolo's tactics um i think you have to give slightly the edge um to fiorentina here because fiorentina is already used to the beppe yakini approach um i think at the end of it this game is going to probably end in a draw um both teams are going to go out there they know there's a lot on the table i think both teams would be happy to settle for a point um i don't think there's too much between them and uh that's my at the end of it i think it's going to end up being a draw yeah, it's definitely going to be a close game. In the last few fixtures they've played each other, uh, Fiorentina does have a slight edge. Uh, well, not a slight one. It's a, it's a bit of an edge. They have, they've won in their last six games. They've won 50% of them. They've drew two, and they lost one to Torino as well. Uh, the, on the opposing side of that, Giampaolo does have a winning record against Pepe Aquini. So that'll be interesting. Like I said, Fiorentina is set up for counterattacking. Torino now, I feel, is going to try and build up the play a lot more. So for me, that's where I see, for me, if Firenze win. I think they're going to pop in with one goal, shut things down. And uh, for me, personally, I see Firenze coming in. Uh, they do have a bit of, ch- you know, uh, changes in uh, the starting 11. They have Biragi coming in on the left side. Dalbert's gone. Yep. We already talked about Badali. He's out of the mix. Uh, Bonaventura is going to drop in in that slot, I th- believe. And you're going to have uh, a front two, I think, Chiesa, Cotrone, or Ribery and Crotone, one of those two. And uh, we'll see. That's my opinion. I think Firenze is set up for the win here. And uh, we'll see what happens with that match. That's an opening match for City. That's a very important game. Big three points. You want, you want to start on a, on a strong foot. You don't want to lose that first game. So Absolutely. we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Now, on to the next game. Yeah, we'll talk about Verona. Hellas, Verona, and Roma now. All right. So, um, hoping for a win for my Giallo Rossi. Um, They're looking okay in preseason. They just came off a 2-2 tie with Cagliari. But Paolo Fonseca, I think, is really starting to, uh, you know, enforce his tactics, enforce the kind of style of play that he wants this Roma team to play. Um, I think he's found his uh, I think he's found his midfield there. Uh, I think he's really found an anchor guy in uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini. That guy needs to be a rock in the midfield. Um, depending on what happens with Edin Zeko, you know, how fast this transfer happens to Juventus, who lines up on Saturday up top, 
who knows um but uh you know i think uh, roma got a lot of quality um i think it's just a matter of uh you know continuing to keep going and uh Ellis verona you know another good team uh like i said high mid-table team last year but uh i think uh like you said this uh this first game is really important and uh roma definitely want to hit the ground running uh it was a very disappointing season for them last year and they really want to make things right with the fans so i think you got to give the edge to roma in this game because they're going to be a lot more uh driven to bury this game and get three points because this is a game you need to win if you're gonna i believe their target is top four so if your target is top four you need to win these games so edge to Roma on this one. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Roma has the edge. Uh, Ivan Juric has never beaten Paolo Fonseca. Uh, it's only been two matches, but he's never beaten Paolo, and he's never beaten Roma. Period in his career as a as a coach. Uh, so I give Roma the slight edge, especially now too. Hellas Verona is going to be losing that central defender Kumbula, mm-hmm. which is going to be a big loss for them. He uh, you know played a very important role in that defense last season. Roma is going to look different in quite a few uh, positions, but I agree. I think they have the slight edge. They should win this game, uh, hands down. I think it should be a comfortable win for Roma, so we'll give them the edge on that one. Awesome. I like that. Porto (laughs) Gialarossi. All right, next game. Going into Sunday, uh, first game is Parma, who just recently... Uh, just recently announced they have new owners, um, yes. so they have some money coming in uh, against Napoli at the Ennio Tardini. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? Going to be an interesting game. I think you have uh, Fabio Liverani coming in as the new coach for Parma. I think if you look what he did with that Lecce team, surprisingly he was up there in the goals uh, for Serie A. He was in the top 10 for goals scored with a, with a newly promoted team. So his teams like to keep the ball, like to create, like to take shots. They score goals. Parma last year, they were very one-dimensional counterattacking team, relied heavily on Jovino breaking through the lines, scoring a goal. Really no no creativity in that team. Uh, so I think Parma is going to look pretty good under Fabio Liberani. But you still got to give Napoli the edge. You know, Napoli, you know, considering Gattuso, you think of him as a player, what do you think of? Grit. In your face, not the greatest technique, but good enough to get by. The guy was a the guy was a warrior, a rock, a rock. But a you look rock. at his Napoli team; they play the complete opposite to what Gattuso was as yeah. a player. They, if you look at the stats, Napoli had the most passes out of any team in Serie A. They kept the most possession. They had the fewest yellow cards, the most shots, our second most shots next to, next to Atalanta, I believe, and the second most goals in the league next to Atalanta. So it's crazy to see. How Gattuso has formed this Napoli team to be what it is, considering the type of player he was. It's I love I love seeing this. Um, so seeing Napoli, you know, with such a good attacking game, and Parma with a new coach who are also going to play attacking game. I think Napoli's going to have the edge. They just, for me, have the better players. I think they're going to find the holes in that Parma defense, and they're going to get a win in this game. I think game. so. I think so. So I got a question for you. Yes. If you're Gennaro Gattuso, do you start Ospina or do you start Meret? Good question. I think I think you got to start with Ospina. I think Ospina is the more consistent goalie. Meret's good. I rate him. He's a goalie with a lot of uh, potential, but Napoli needs to win games. I think Ospina is the guy. Just The only problem with Ospina is the guy gets injured. It seems two three times a season so once he gets injured this season you have Marat to step in pretty much Marat does have a bright future though no Marat does a, have a bright future but uh, Marat's not that goalkeeper that can play the ball from the back yes. and that's what I think Gattuso loves in this Napoli oh, team and that's 100%. why you give the edge to Ospina because Ospina is much more better on his feet can play the ball from the back than Alex Marat can uh, maybe that's something that Alex Marat uh, can work on in uh the next season yeah. or so. And speaking of goalies, what do you think? Because I know growing up, you know, you played goalie. What do you think of Luigi Seppe? I think, for me, a very underrated goalie. Very underrated. Lights out. Um, big reason why Parma finished where they did in the higher mid-table last year. They were, like Hellas Verona, were, you know, knocking on the door for uh, for a Europa League spot for a little while. Um, 
the save percentage on this guy from last year, not only from last year, but from years prior, has always been consistent. He like he's always his stats are always phenomenal. Like don't let don't let you know playing on Parma fool you. I mean, uh, if you look at his stats, everyone, I mean, uh, they're they're unbelievable for a goalkeeper. The the re- I cannot believe that this guy has not gotten a look on the national team yet. Um, I think he deserves it. I mean, I think. You know, Italy with goalkeepers is like Canadians with hockey, uh, with hockey goalies. I mean, yeah. you, we're so deep in that position where it, it's so hard to break into a national team for that. And a lot um, of good over, and then a lot of good goalies overlooked for that reason. Exactly. I mean, you got uh, you know, you know, guys like Alessio Cragno and Cagliari, um, Alex Manet, another one, Simone Scuffe, who just came up with La Spezia. I think he's back at Udinese, but uh, getting back to Luigi Seppe, fantastic, solid goalkeeper. I cannot believe Napoli gave up on this guy. Um, you know, he would have been perfect for that Napoli squad. And, uh, you know, but good for him. He went on to Parma and, uh, you know, he's playing solid. He's, he's a, I think he's a household name for that club now. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Hats off to him. Yeah, he's a great goalie. You know, sometimes, I know he was in the Napoli system, but sometimes you need those moves. You need to be given that chance to excel. Because maybe if he stayed at Napoli, who knows what would have happened. Maybe he wouldn't be the goalie is today. Right? So, but yeah, what do you think? you think Napoli's going to take it as well? Napoli's going to take it. Napoli's Napoli's got to aim for a top four finish this year. I have them finishing fourth. Napoli's got to win this game. Yeah. Napoli's got to win this game. You're gonna have, you're gonna be grinding out games against Juventus and Inter and AC and Roma and Lazio. These are the games you have to win. Uh, Parma is gonna finish mid-table. They're way too good to to get relegated, uh, but they're not good enough for a top seven, top eight finish. Um, so I think you really got to take advantage of this game against Parma, and you got to hit the ground running, and you got to go for those three points. So. Three points for Napoli in my books. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Parma did finish 11th last year. Uh, just a few spots out of the Europa League spots. So, I don't know. They are going to be a threat to that top seven, I think, this year with Fabio Liberani. Do you do you want to talk about Liberani at all? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, great coach. Uh, was a solid player, too, back in the day. But yes. uh, great coach. Has really, really impressed with Lecce last year. Because Lecce came up, and Lecce really didn't do much with their squad. Um didn't really ensure it with tat with you know with depth and talent and you know Lecce pulled off some huge victories i mean big one was against juventus um last year and uh they really punched above their weight this is a coach that can really get the best out of his players i think he's got a bright future as uh as a coach um down the road i think you know seeing what he does with this parma squad um, I think he's going to do really well with them. I think you're going to have to give him a couple of years. Like I said, turnaround time, very short for this season. Um, but, uh, you know, has a lot more talent to pick from in this Parma squad than he did with Lecce. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he does with this squad. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on to the next game then. Let's do it. To me, this is the biggest game on the weekend. <laughs> Not in terms of prestige. No, I, I would agree. But this is because I had both these teams getting relegated. So you need you need to win these games. You need to beat the teams that are you know below you. Yeah. And you he's, he's talking about Genoa Crotone. Exactly. So that's what we're gonna that's what we are talking about. Genoa Crotone, obviously not the big names no. at the top of the table, but this is this is a huge game for these two teams. A must win in my books. Like I said, you gotta beat the teams around you. So what do you think on uh, New Boys Crotone? Oh, they're. I think they're gonna go right down. Nineteenth place. I have Genoa staying in the Serie. A. Um, I think shoring up that goalkeeper position in Mattia Perin um, is great uh, because Mattia Perin does offer a leadership to that Genoa team. So does Domenico Crescito, right? But uh, I think this Genoa team just has the edge on Crotone. Genoa knows this. If we need to stay in Serie. A, we gotta beat. We gotta win this game. Crotone knows the same thing too, but I just think Genoa's quality is just a little better than Crotone. I just think Crotone, Crotone to me don't look prepared for this season, 
And that's, you know, that's why Crotona is going to go right down in my books. Whereas Genoa, Genoa, right up until I think the last match day, they were grinding it out just to stay alive in Serie A last season. And they made it by the skin of their teeth. But uh, so they know what it takes. They know what it's going to take. And they don't want to be there fighting on the last couple of match days to stay alive in Serie A. They want to know, you know, a couple of weeks prior to the end of the season, I've secured my status in Serie A for next season. And then hopefully start the build and slowly push up the table. But I think the goal for Genoa this year, let's stay alive. Let's stay in Serie A. And then let's secure Serie A status for the next season a lot sooner than we did this past season. And then slowly build up to the top of the table. So that's that's my take. I think Genoa wins this game 2-0, 3-0. I think it's going to be a... You're just going to see Genoa go lights out. Yeah, I think Genoa should win this game. They got new coach Rolando, uh, Rolando Maran. You know, he, he's going to bring a brand new system. Uh, they were playing a 3-5-2 before. Now Genoa is going to be most likely transitioning to a 4-3-1-2 formation. They did bring in a whole bunch of new signings uh, to complement that system. A couple new strikers. You have Matteo Destro coming in. Pino Monti was signed uh, permanently. New left back, Leonard Shibora. You know, a new attacking midfield, Miha Zajac. And a new midfielder, Francesco Casata. So... They brought in and re- reinforced the squad. I think they made a lot of uh, good moves because you were looking at this team last season. Goran Pendev, who's now 37, enter legend, love the man. The amount of times he came in and saved that Genoa team uh, for some big goals was un- yeah. unbelievable. But that shouldn't be happening because no. with the talent, this team does have talent. They have a, they have, you know, the names in this midfield. They should not be fighting relegation. Radovanovic, Lucas Schoen, Lucas Schoen, Barami, Sturaro, Larager. Big names. Definitely. Big names. This team has to do a lot better. What Rolando Marin did at the beginning of the season last year with Caleri, I think he will bring that to Genoa. You just hope he doesn't bring the second part of that season where they didn't pick up a result for 12 games. Yeah, absolutely. Don't know what happened there, but this team has the potential. Hopefully, Rolando Maran can can bring it out because the players are there, so we'll see. And uh, the coach for Crotone, I believe his name is Giovanni Giovanni Stropa, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be way too difficult for them. I I can't see Crotone doing no. anything. It's the league is way too competitive this year. Way too competitive. Way too competitive this year for the Serie B teams coming up. Uh, so Crotone, best of luck. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game. So I see them playing defensively. I see Genoa all over them, and I see Genoa just walking over them. Yeah, I think this time around. Even though I still think Genoa could get relegated, but we'll see. They de- they need to improve big time on their numbers from last year. Want to move on to the next game Let's now? Let's do it. Sassuolo and Cagliari. What yeah, are your so, thoughts on that? You know, this is going to be a really interesting game. Uh, Sassuolo and Cagliari, they, um, they're they two teams that are set out on the attack. they both got a lot of talent. It's got some great players. Um, some really good names in this game. Uh, one that I said before, Alessio Cragno for Cagliari. Um, you know, that whole Cagliari midfield, which is rock solid. Uh, Sassuolo, you got Domenico Berardi, uh, Ciccio Caputo, you know, yeah, you know, second finishing in the Capo Cagnetta race last season, you know, hoping to hit the ground running for Sassuolo. These are two teams that love to attack, love to attack. Um, the only my only hesitation with Cagliari is Cagliari has Eusebio Di Francesco as their new coach. Um, who right away said, I'm going to implement my system. I'm going to play my system right away. Yeah. Like, that's the first thing he said. He's not going to tinker. He's not going to see what this team has. He's going to go and implement the system right away. Dangerous words. <laughs> very, very dangerous words. I mean, going back, you know, this is just a quick touch on Roma. But, you know, Paulo Fonseca said last season he wanted to come and he wanted to bring his style of play to Roma. He figured out really fast. Didn't work. So... I basically figured out what works for the squad and ran with it to get through the season. This is what Eusebio Di Francesco should be saying too. 
Instead, he's saying, no, I'm playing a 4-3-3. And realistically, he's playing a 4-3-3 because it's the only system he knows how to play. He cannot play another system. And uh, so they're trying to enforce that on this Cagliari team. Uh, I really feel for them. I think they got a lot of talent in this squad. But uh, there's going to be a big struggle to adapt um, to the squad. And they got to adapt real quick. And Sassuolo is no... It's no pushover. So Swallow, no, not anymore. Great, great team, <laughs> great team. You know, uh, they've had some fantastic seasons. You know, finished finished us out of the Europa League last yeah. year, eighth spot, right behind Napoli. Yeah, you know, you got a really deep squad in Sassuolo. Um, I just think, you know, a lot of people are a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, you know, these two teams, uh, you know, these two teams will probably pull out for a draw. I don't think so. I think you got to give the Ice just a swallow in this game. Uh, they just, you know, Sassuolo knows their identity. Sassuolo knows what they want. And, uh, you know, they want to finish high up in the table, possibly get into Europa League spot. So they know they got to win this game. I think Kaleri kind of feels they should be in the same spot. But with a coach that is very, as stubborn as Eusebio Di Francesco, um, I think it's going to be a big struggle. I mean, uh, Eusebio Di Francesco lasted how many games for Sampdoria last year? Yeah, not a good turning out at Sampdoria. Not a good turning out at Sampdoria. And why is that? And I'll tell you why. It's because he kept trying to play a 4-3-3 system with that squad. And I don't think... Did he win them a game? I don't remember. Uh, I can't um, recall. I don't he, think he, he did. He wasn't there too long. He wasn't there long because they you know, they pulled the trigger because they realized that it was a disaster because the guy didn't want to change his ways. He's a, he's a young version of Giampiero Ventura. Um you know, I so th- no, no hope you're saying. No hope. I mean, I thank him for what he did uh, a couple of years ago in that comeback against Barcelona. I think I cried during that game because I never thought I'd see Roma do something like that. So, you know, all the respect in the world for, for that. But uh, you have no hope if you're not going to change your tactics. Yeah, I agree. You know, Xavier De Francesco, you can have the mentality if you have a team that's going to back you with money. If you don't have a team that's going to back you with money and buy the pieces you need for the philosophy of football you want to play... There is no point to being stubborn. You you got to get a coach that's going to adapt to the players. Those are, for me, to keep it simple, those are the two type of coaches that exist in today's football. You have, in the extreme, the Pep Guardiola, married to his system of uh, football, won't change it for anything. Pep needs the money to be back to, have, to play his system. Exactly. If, if he doesn't have that money, you know, you can't you can't play that style of uh, football. It's impossible. You need quality players, and that costs money. On the other end of the spectrum, you have coaches that adapt. I'm trying to pick one off the top of my head, that uh, can you think of one that coach adapts? that adapts? Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of them, but there's a big so many. name, a big name. I'm gonna say it, Claudio Ranieri. Yeah, that's the that's the man. perfect one. One with Leicester. He knew what he was, set the team accordingly, played the players. You know, to their qualities, put them in the appropriate positions, and you just deal with what you have, and you play to your strengths. You try and cover up your weaknesses, and you cross your fingers and hope for the best. And those, those are the that's the spectrum. You have Ranieri on one side, Pep Guardiola on the other side, and Eusebio De Francesco. I'm sure if he was on a big team with a big budget, he'd look good. But to me, Caledi and Francesco, it's like oil and water. It doesn't. It's not gonna. It's not going to go no, off him, I don't not. think. It's not. And the other thing with Cagliari, too, is uh, just to touch on a quick transfer, Filippo Romagna has signed permanently with Sassuolo uh, in an exchange. Uh, with big loss for Cagliari there. But Cagliari is rumored to bring in Diego Godin and Federico Fazio. Yes. Uh, so that's an interesting signings for them. But, uh, you know, if and when they come in, how quickly do you throw them into this squad? Cagliari is a team that lines up best in a 4-5-1 or a 4-4-2 formation. So to go to 4-3-3, it's... And if you were to get those two center backs, you know, Godin is a legend. Great center backs. Fazio's good too. He can hold his own. But their weakest, their weakness is their speed. Zero yeah. speed. And 4-3-3, you got to play fast. You need 4-3-3 is a fast yeah. formation. You need so... mobile center backs. And Eusebio Di Francesco likes to play with pressure. Exactly. So what are you going to do? You're going to expose your higher back end when you're when you're pressing so honestly i don't know Eusebio de Francesco what the plan is here it seems like there is no plan no it just seems like let's put a band-aid over everything and i can't see Cagliari improving on the way no. their season ended no. the only thing i can say for Cagliari is you know godspeed alessio crano because you are going to be one busy goalkeeper this season <laughs> 
And what about since Ron manages to Roberto Di Zerbi? This guy, 41 years old, I think he's in the next generation of Italian coaches that are going to be huge. I, I think so. I mean, look at the coaches. Look at the look at look at his track record. Look at his track record. Look at the look at the clubs he's managed and where he's brought them. I mean, uh, I think uh, he's an outstanding coach. You know, he's got an opportunity here, a slight one. I mean, uh, it, it's a good one with uh, Sassuolo, right? So, but uh, this guy deserves a big club. I think he's he's grinded yeah. his way through as a man in his career as a manager, and I think he deserves now to to go to a team like a lot. Well. Lazio's got Simone Inzaghi, but like a team like of that caliber, I think he's ready for that, and it's you know it'd be cool to see what he could do with something. Oh, it would like be. I I'd say yeah, one or two more seasons. See if he can bring Sassuolo into those Europa League spots. If he can crack that top seven, then I think 100 percent. Because you got to remember these teams at the top, they have zero patience for. Uh, they do. They you know, do. And, and that's the hard part. But you don't, don't want to see him. You don't want to see him going in and then yeah. getting the axe after a month. No, it's true. But we, going back to what you said, the two styles of managers. Did Zerbi is that coach that can really bring he the adapts. best out of a team and adapts? Oh, yeah. Right. He adapts. He doesn't say, "I'm coming in. I'm doing this, this, and this." Whether you like it or not, he'll come in, tinker it around. What works, what doesn't work, trial and error. Bang, go. Right. Makes the players better. Adds value to the team. They can sell these players for more money. So. He's 100%. a dream. He's a dream manager for Sassuolo. Definitely. Definitely. You know, and, and, you know, you look at his past, like we are talking about, he had not where he didn't get his start here. Actually, he did. He did get his start here, technically. Foggia, what he did from Serie C to Serie B, what he did was unreal with him. And then he went to Palermo for a little stint. It was rough there. Benevento. Same thing. Palermo was a greatest. disaster. So yeah, Palermo was a write-off. Palermo was a It's disaster. an anomaly. Temporini was a monster. So And then at Sassuolo, he's been here now. 81 matches he's done. He's averaging 1.27 points per match. You know, he's just, he's there. A hair away from getting into the European spots. And if he, if he was to do that with Sassuolo, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be amazing to see. You know, 100%. Atalanta Junior. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. So, now, what you, so what do you think result-wise? What's going to happen in this match? Oh, I think I think you got to give the edge to Sassuolo here. Uh, three to one Sassuolo in this game. You think three to one? I know it is a tough match to call. Like historically, Cagliari hasn't beaten them in the past six matches. They haven't beaten them in the last six matches, going all the way back to 2017. At the same time, Sassuolo's only won two of those matches. They've drawn four out of six. So. Historically, in recent times, this result screams a draw. But based off what we're talking about with Xavier Di Francesco and the way Sassuolo's going, you have Sassuolo going up. Caledi, to me, is going in a nosedive. Uh, so I have to give Sassuolo, I think, a victory here. If they don't, I'm going to be very surprised. Yeah, it's good. It's going to be interesting. Sunday at 12 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, Eastern Canadian time. True yes. all time. Um, <laughs> not next, for the big one. Yeah. Oh well, it's a big one for you there. Uh, no, not for, for me. Not for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone. Everyone. Uh, Giuliano secretly likes Juventus. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so that's why we're gonna no let way. him. Uh, we're gonna let him divulge this game. So Juventus against Sampdoria uh, goes Sunday, two forty-five p.m. Eastern time. Let's get your thoughts on this one. Andrea Pirlo's big debut. Andre Pirlo, what to say? Rated as the sexiest coach in Serie A. <laughs> <laughs> no competition. <laughs> no Pirlo, no party. Yeah, and he was appointed on my birthday too, so I don't know. I got to like this team, but I don't. I can't. I cannot like Juve. I cannot. It's, it's against my DNA. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Pirlo brings to the table. They say he said himself he's going to bring out the 4-3-3, so similar to Sadi. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but he's already started to make changes with the squad, right? Yeah, the system's going to be the same, but obviously there's going to come down to the fine details. He's going to bring something different. The squad, like you said, the starting 11 is going to be uh, quite different uh, compared to last season. You know, the most played players in the city uh, uh, for Juve under Sadi last year, you had Pjanic there. You had 
Uh, We're going to put Artur there now, right? Yeah, now you have Artur. I don't know if he's healthy, ready to go. Uh, I know he had, a, I think, a DUI incident in Spain. Yeah. Bit of a rough uh, <laughs> last, last few weeks in Spain. So I don't know what's going on and if he's going to be in that starting lineup, but I would expect uh, he would be. I see him in the middle with Rabiot and Bentancourt. I think your left back, Alexandro, he's the disputed left back. Yep. Right back, I don't know if Pirlo's going to stick with Quadrado one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chesney, I think he's going to keep in net. Oh, Wojciech, yeah, 100%. The interesting thing is going to be the center-back partnership. I think De Ligt is out with an injury right now. He is. So Chiellini Bonucci will be the You center. have to. But as the season goes, let's see what happens. Uh, is he going to stay loyal to that, you know, that tried and tested center back pairing or if he's going to be you know innovative and try something new uh bernardeski i don't see him retaining no. that spot uh dibala i think is going to be out injured for this game as well so up front they're not gonna have too no. many players it's going to be a bit thin it's going to be heavily relying on ronaldo in this game uh but i think juve juve's juve they're gonna somehow pull out a win like they always do oh i think they will i mean i think they got way too much quality for the sabdoria team i mean all the credit in the world to claudio ranieri and what he did he took this team that was down and out from eusebio di francesco really earned this season was already written off to be relegated and got them out of there and uh this sabdoria team yes is a lot better than a relegation candidate but, uh, you know, he's definitely got uh, his work cut out for him. But you got some great players. I mean, you got Emil Odero uh, in, in goal, another Italian goalkeeper. Uh, fantastic season last year for uh, Sampdoria. And uh, he, too, does deserve a look for the national team. But you also got some great pieces in there. You got Manolo Gabbiadini. Uh, for all you uh, for all you Legio Warsaw fans, he's got uh, Bartosz Berzinski at right back. A fantastic underrated right back uh plays for the polish national team as well but he's a fantastic player um definitely offers a lot on the right side he's got a lot of pace so you know good for him uh wish him all the best there um you also got uh, nicola muru but uh, he's rumored to leave um andrea bertolacci midfield um you know just some great pieces there and who could forget Mr. Captain himself, Fabio Quagliarella. The guy is still doing it. He ages still like a fine it. wine. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's he's fantastic. He's got a really. Um, he's you know he's a he's a born leader for the Sampdoria team. I mean, they they. They basically go at his pace, and he's still going at a pretty fast pace at, at the age that he is. Um, but also some other other great players, uh, really highly underrated midfield, and Jakub Yankto can play uh, anchor, that center D mid position, but can also play as an attacking mid. Uh, fantastic player. Albin Ekdal, <laughs> great Swedish player. Um, he's definitely got some great pieces that he can work with. Um, really interested to see how... They're number nine uh, in the making, and Federico Bonazzoli does. Yes, um, I was just about to mention him. He, he has to step up. I he think. has to step up. This, ha- this has got to be his year to step up. Still young, 23, yeah. but maybe has to get in the goal scoring a little bit more. Manolo Gabbiadini, he was tied uh, for top goal scorer on that team with 11 goals with Qualiarella. Yep. You hope he also steps up. He's entering into the prime of his career, 28. Yep. Cannon, cannon of a left foot. Uh, great player just has to get it together has to find some consistency and Antonio Lagomina too we'll see what he can bring another young center 424 you know if these guys can chip in with some goals they're more than capable of causing an upset here if there is any team Sampdoria has pulled uh, I think they'd won last year one game off of Juve so in May yeah if that's correct right in May so who knows? Maybe, you know, they're poised for an upset. You know, Juve's kind of in a bit of a rebuild. Yeah. Sampdoria is more established with who they're going to start consistently on that starting 11. So who knows? Exactly. If an upset. Exactly. I still I can't see it happening. But no. Renieri, he's capable of, uh, yeah. you know, that's going to be a tough first test. That's going to be Pirlo's first ever match against the uh, Wiley Fox at Renieri. So 
let's see if Pirlo, if he can keep yeah. up with him in terms of the tactics. Absolutely. And, you know, just a, just a quick uh, quick note. Uh, you know, a player to watch out for on the Sampdoria team is uh, Julian Cabot, uh, Germany. Uh, from, from Germany, uh, has been through some great youth systems. One of the most notably was uh, his last three years in the youth career was with RB Leipzig. Um, and, you know, came to Sampdoria last year from Groningen. Um, has uh, played through the national team of Germany for through the youth system. Hasn't made his uh, senior debut yet, but uh, he's only 22. He's a six foot five center back. He is solid. I think Ranieri is going to give him a good run for Sampdoria this year, and it'll be interesting to see how well he fits into that system, um, especially learning from uh, from a leader in the center mid there, and or sorry, in the center defense there, and Lorenzo Tonelli, right? Yeah, they have they have a lot of good veterans in this center back uh, position. You know, Gerson Mario, mm-hmm. you know, recently from Barcelona, Valencia, Inter. Now he's at Sampdoria again. Uh, Yoshida, they signed from uh, Southampton, the Premier League, Japanese center back, international, 32 years old. And Lorenzo Tonelli, who's already mentioned. So, some very good veterans in this team and center back, solid team. They, you know, do pretty good in the creative department in terms of creating goals think they're up there too last year uh, in, in regards to scoring goals kind of mid-table-ish but they score they score goals definitely you know so we'll see we'll see if they can pull an upset here yeah we'll see so, what do you, you know, s- i don't think you've given your oh i mean i think it's i think you got to give juventus the edge i mean you, i i think i'd be crazy if i didn't so i have to give juventus the edge here like i think you said you're a roma fan you're no i'm not so of, i know there's a but, bit of craziness uh, there but uh i think you got to give juventus the edge here so Juventus wins this game uh, sorry Sampdoria but uh, hopefully it's a valiant effort hopefully Sampdoria can prove us wrong because I would love to see Juventus start zero points after one game <laughs> I'd love that um, yeah. but let's we'll move see. on let's move on to the you know we'll move on to the Monday game yeah the uh, last game yeah of the uh, yeah because the other the, the other clubs gotta get that month off yeah, right there's six teams you have inter benevento lazio atalanta which is a huge that's game. a massive game i can't wait for that that's gonna and, be exciting and, and udinese spezia that's for the round one those relegation dogfight there <laughs> udinese spezia everyone those three matches are being postponed so yeah but uh let's go on to the milan bologna the last game of match day yeah one. ac milan New, everybody's loving them. Everybody's loving them. You know, got some great pieces. Latan's back. Yeah, he's Latan's back. back. And he's then you're back. going against a Bologna team that's really tough to beat. Undefeated, I think Milan is since the, you know, the break from COVID. Latan, hottest team in Serie. Yeah, it's crazy what he's done. You know, I when I was watching those games, you know, a big thing for me is I feel Milan kind of benefits from the empty stadiums. Yeah. Because before, also, because before the fans would put so much pressure on this team. You know, there's it's Milan. There's, you know, you're the third most successful team behind Inter <laughs> in Serie A, so you're expected to, uh, <laughs> you're expected to, you know, to play well. They don't, they don't belong where they've been, uh, you know, showing up in the league table the last few years. They don't belong in those positions. They belong fighting for the Scudetto, fighting in Champions League. So I think. The fans, you pile on the pressure, you pile on the pressure. The ownership feels they have to make moves that probably aren't uh, the most wise. And they suffer from that. And I think playing in empty stadiums, Milan was able to play more free. You don't have to hear the fans jeering you, shouting your name. You just play the game. And I think it's I know Zlatan came in and he brings that quality and that leadership. But I think playing with no fans kind of benefited this team. So we'll see if they can keep up this uh, momentum. That's just my theory. But yeah, they're they're on the up. This Milan team, it looks uh, exciting what they've done there with Maldini as a sporting director and uh, Pioli, former Inter coach. It's, it's impressive. I'm happy they've given him a chance because he's proven his worth right now. Absolutely. Going up against a Bologna squad, Sinisa Mihailovic at the helm. Canadian-owned club, ladies and gentlemen. Saputo owns Bologna. Yes, yes. Um, you know, that's uh, got a real big soft spot for this team. Um, but, uh, you know, had a really strong showing last year, Bologna. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. But, I mean, uh, you know, I think Milan carries the momentum into this game, wins this game. What do you think? Yeah, I think Milan wins this game. Bologna, solid team, but... They have a big weakness 
I don't know, you might not like this, Skorupski, former Roma goalie, but I think he's the worst goalie in the league. No, he's garbage. He's the worst I, goalie. I believe you, I'm not offended. I'm happy we got rid of Skorupski. He, too error-prone, lets in some a lot of goals that he should be saying, saving, and, you know, not having a solid goalkeeper back there does make it a hurts big some, difference. It, it hurts, hurts him big, big time. time. Uh, I hope, I hope you can play better. I hope he has a better season. But another glaring weakness for this team is, uh, you know, another inter-legend here, Rodrigo Palacio. He's still running that front line. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's still putting in performances. But someone has to step up. I know Musa Barrow was the leading goal scorer for the team. But you have, you know, Federico Satander. If he can pop in with some goals, a 29-year-old Paraguayan. Uh, you know, I think they can pull some upsets. And you have, like we mentioned, for national team, a player I thought who should be given a run, the young 23-year-old Ricardo Orsolini, always a danger from the wing. Yeah. So they have some nice players. They also got that left Sansone. back too, Messina, Adam Messina. Did Adam Messina came from, uh, he came from Watford? I thought so. I thought he did. Adam Unless Messina. I'm wrong. I don't know. Could maybe, be wrong. Maybe Sorry. it's a rumor. Maybe it's a rumor. Yeah. Uh, but they got some. They got some good players. I just think, yeah, just need some consistency. Roberto Soriano's in there. Don Sansone, Sa, Pioli, Sansone. So the players are there. Consistency. That's the key for Bologna. But I think Milan. Way too, uh, way too good right now. You know, you got, like I said in the first podcast we did. Best left back in the league, Theo Hernandez. Ben Asser, one of the most unrated playmakers in the league. Kalahanoglu, great uh, creative creative player. Cassie runs the midfield. Solid team. Donnarumma, you can't forget him. It's a solid team. You throw Zlatan Adabic in there. This team, it's, uh, you know, are we seeing Milano come back to the old early 2000s? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, just to change gears a little bit, um, yeah. want to talk about uh, so qualification for Europe, Europe spots is a little bit different this year because uh, we're introducing well UEFA is introducing a third tier of uh, European continental soccer tournament in the Europa Conference League. Um, so how does this affect City A? Uh? So basically, you still have your four Champions League spots. Um, you have uh, your Europa League spots are your fifth place and your Coppa Italia winner. And then your sixth place finish uh, goes to the Europa Conference League. But the Europa Conference League, I guess it's more of a tournament now that appeases to the teams that go through the qualification process and get nowhere. Uh, like the uh, teams from, uh, the, you know, we don't, we, it's very rare that you see teams from Sweden. You see teams from like, uh, like you know, teams like Rangers uh, in Scotland, uh, teams from the extra class in Poland get through the qualification process. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this shapes up. So basically what this is, is the Europa Conference League. Um, there's no direct qualification into it. Uh, you you have to go through a qualification phase. So the big five, so I believe that's England, France, Germany, Spain, and Italy, um, get a, basically get a spot, and that sixth place spot basically goes to the final qualification, like final qualification phase of the Europa Conference League, um, and. Uh, Basically, teams that get bumped out of the early qualification phases for Champions League and Europa League, I think for Europa League more so, go down to the Europa Conference League. And teams that get bumped out of the Champions League go down to the Europa League now. So it's, I guess it's more to appease those, those countries that don't have much. They don't get through qualification for, yeah, yeah. For, uh, for Champions League or Europa League to, to have that. But I mean... Because of this Europa Conference League now, I think the Big Five should dominate this tournament. Um, even though we only have, we all have, I think, just one spot. Um, but uh, the winner of the Europa Conference League gets to qualifies for Europa League the following year, and obviously the winner of the Europa League qualifies for the Champions League, right? So it'll be interesting to see this tournament. It'll be interesting to see the seeding. But you're going to see some more exciting games. Uh, you're going to see more of the lesser known clubs uh, playing in this tournament, and. Uh, who could uh, who could complain about more European continental club football? 
Yeah, a lot of people may think, oh, we don't need another Europa League 2.0. You know, we don't care. But you know what? For these mid-table clubs, they love it. It's more revenue for them, more exposure. This is this is what they need, the European experience. And it's it's great for these clubs. Absolutely. It can only be a positive. I know it, the schedule becomes more jam-packed, but with more money, you yeah. buy more... You know, it's an opportunity to play continental exactly. football for these clubs, and it's an opportunity to develop them and get them to that next level, right? So we'll see how that goes, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see seeding now. So if you see seeding in your, if you follow the flash score, if you follow standings for the Europe European leagues, and you see Europa Conference League qualification, then you know what that is now. So uh, it's the qualification for it starts this season, and then the tournament starts the year following, right? Yes, very interesting, very interesting stuff. Yeah, and uh, and, and the other thing I want to touch on was, uh, you know, I guess we're going to go around the globe now. Yeah, uh, let's there do was, it. There was, I know there was a, a goal you want to talk, a rocket of a goal with uh, in the French League One. Yes, unbelievable goal. Probably going to win the Pushkas Award. This is the nicest volley I've ever seen in my life. So if you're into Googling breast online, look up Stade de Brest. <laughs> <laughs> Ivar Cardona, look at his goal for uh, the League One outfit, Stade Brest. Just an unbelievable. Yeah, I've goal. never seen anything like that. I showed Christian before the podcast, and he was he couldn't believe it. It yeah, was my, my jaw dropped. Yeah, I don't want to hype it up too much. Look at it for yourself. I'm not going to say anything else about that goal. Just so check it out. It's Ivan Cardona. Ivar, Ivar Cardona. I, yeah, and uh, oh, that's all I got to say. That goal was unreal. Ivan Cord, Ivar. Cardona. Cardona, Stade de Brest. Stade de Brest. Was league. it this past weekend? League. Uh, yeah, yeah, this past weekend. Yeah, look it up. Look it up, everyone, the French League. Um, and, and then, yeah, and then uh, one of uh, former City A player from Atalanta, Timmy Chestnuts, that they call, <laughs> <laughs> they call him now in England. But uh, his name's Tim, Tim, Timothy Castagna. Yeah. He and for of, those of you that don't know, uh, the last name Castagna actually translates from Italian to English as Chestnut. Yeah. Uh, but he is from Belgium. <laughs> yeah. So Timmy Chestnuts, he put in a man of the match performance for Leicester, scored a rocket header. So we're happy to see some yeah. City at talent take over the Premier League. 100%. 100 and you know, you know what the best part about that is? The best part about that is I think he just, he was just signed to that squad the same week comes on and was it the 25th 26th minute something like that boom rocket header yeah Yeah. goes to show you the talent there is in city yeah yeah i know exactly right yeah anyway i forgot to mention this last week i was reminded by my wife that barella goal in that hauling game who did he out jump there two premier league virgil van dyke virgil van dyke and nathan ake so you know what you Liverpool fans should be ashamed that you let a five foot eight Nicola Barella beat Virgil Van Dyke in the air. City has where it's at. <laughs> but on another side note, back in the Premier League, you know, on this show we are going to talk about Italians abroad. We're going to leave a few minutes for them, but we got to bring up uh, the big match between Inter legend Jose Mourinho and AC Milan legend Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti snuck a one. Uh, 1-0 lead over Jose Mourinho's team. Everton. Let's Everton. go, Toffees. Yeah. The way Ancelotti's built that team, it looks unreal. He's changed this team completely. I know it's only the first game, but you got to give Ancelotti the respect. He brought in James Rodriguez, uh, Ducure from Watford, and who else? He brought in Alan from Napoli. He completely changed that. That really shores up that midfield for Everton. Michael Keane came out, who's a center back for Everton. He goes, Alan is a center back's dream. So already another City A former player getting a lot of notoriety in the league. Congrats, Ancelotti, on that win. Um, you know, and I hope more success for Ancelotti. 100%. 100%. Anything else you want to add? Uh so around the globe, let's go to uh let's let's bring it back to home. 
because uh, we got some important games today. I think there's one going on right now in the Canadian Premier League. In the Ireland games, we are in Phase 2. Phase 2 is coming to an end today. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a great uh, it's been a great group stage. Uh, sad to see Pacific FC get knocked out, dropping their first two games in this group stage. Um, it's it's wide open. I mean, uh, so you got Forge FC on four points. You got Halifax Wanderers on four points, and you got Cavalry FC on three points. Um, and uh, top two, last group games are today. The top two will play in the final on Saturday, September the nineteenth, and then that will that team will uh, play uh, whoever wins the Canadian seeding for the MLS, whether that be Toronto FC or Montreal Impact. Um, won't get into too much about it, but the Montreal Impact does have the advantage. I think Toronto FC don't. Cr- Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think Toronto FC has to hope that Montreal only wins one nothing and doesn't win by more. And the Vancouver Whitecaps are having a horrendous time in that group. So uh, I think it's going to be Montreal. Sorry for the Toronto FC fans. But uh, going back to the Canadian Premier League, some great games going on right now. Uh, you got Cavalry and Forge playing right now. Um, and then Pacific FC and Halifax Wanderers. So Halifax can secure uh, a place in the final uh, with a win over Pacific FC. Pacific FC already knows they're out, so they'll probably field their B team um, to get some experience. Uh, Cavalry and Forge, which is happening right now, uh, basically going to be a dogfight, a repeat of the Canadian Championship uh, the CPL championship last year and uh, winner will go through to the final uh, I think uh, it's going to be an exciting game it's an exciting two games um, and I think uh, you know I'd love to see Halifax Wanderers great story everybody wrote, wrote off the Halifax Wanderers um, before this tournament started because they didn't show up too well and the first season but uh you know possibly sneaking into the final of the Canadian Premier League championship at the Island Games you know would love to see that and uh you know uh as a as a york 9 fc fan uh i would love to see them beat the forge fc um yeah for those of you that don't know forge is based out of hamilton that's a big rivalry for york 9 uh would love to see forge win this game against cavalry and then get broken in the final to the Halifax Wanderers. So good luck to those guys, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, talk about it uh, next week. Yeah, exciting stuff. I think that covers everything we wanted to talk about today. Uh, before we go, just want to let our listeners know that now you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Please rate us, give us some feedback. Podbean as well, if you're going to listen, leave some comments. We're going to try and create a Twitter handle and all the other social media uh, outlets. Uh, So please give us your feedback and let us know how we're doing. Um, And that's it. Anything else? I think that's everything. You know, it just, uh, you know, thanks to everyone for the support so far. It's been great. And, uh, you know, look forward to uh, going through the season with you. And, uh, you know, uh, we are going to be, like Juliano said, creating a Twitter page. And uh, hopefully we'll end leaving comments in the Podbean uh, section on our on our page there. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, and uh, hopefully we can answer them in the next podcast for you. Yeah, 100%. And a shout-out, because he asked me to, shout-out to uh, John Franco Puzzo. So you better give us five stars or else I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, I think that wraps up the show. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, ragazzi. And we'll uh, talk about all the uh, results next week. Looking forward to it. Stay tuned. Ciao.